Hey, welcome to the weekly. It is post Thanksgiving here in Colorado. Pretty much everywhere in the world has the same calendar. Except Canada. Except Canada. Those Canadians. Canadian they, Thanksgiving. They do it one month earlier. <laughs> All right. This is the weekly at Calvary Bible Church podcast where we connect what happened over the weekend and their services to our real life lived Monday through Friday. Jay, how you doing? Man, I am really good, my friend. It's December 1st and it sort of feels like December out there today. It's awesome. I'm waiting for it to snow. I'm ready. I'm ready. Bring it on. Bring on the snow. Bring on ski season. Mm. Lord willing, it'll happen. <laughs> hey, we also have a special guest today with us in-house. The one, the only, the man who preached over Thanksgiving break, Perry Marshall. Hey, everybody. Good to be here. Perry, what'd you do for Thanksgiving that you want everyone in the world to know about? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> I socially distanced Jay with Good. my mask on. Good. You're uh, a that's great correct. American. Yes. God bless you. Hypothetically, did you get together with anybody? Uh, hypothetically, uh, there were there were some other people around me. Um, same last name, mostly. Um, yeah. yeah, I got together with some extended family. Um, I won't tell you how many, but well, some of them. We're thankful for you. So you bought the 24-pound bird. That's what you're saying, right? Uh, well, anyways, uh, what do you want to talk about today, guys? Hey, man, you had a great sermon on Psalm 77. It spoke amazingly to my own heart encouraged me this past Sunday. Thanks so much for doing that over Thanksgiving break. Praise God. Yeah. I loved your Thanksgiving shirt. Thank Most you. people did not see the colors that were Thanksgiving. Yeah. I don't break it out often. Yeah. Mostly because I've seen somebody else in our church who has the same shirt. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> That's great. Hey, over Thanksgiving break, I have a really funny story before we dive into the weekly where we connect the real world live with what happens on the Sunday or what happens on Sunday to your real world live. That's better. Thomas is like, why am I here today? Hey, uh, I was in the hot tub with my brother-in-law over Thanksgiving. <laughs> you don't know where this is going, do you? <laughs> and the, two days later, we all developed rashes from his over-chlorinated hot tub. Oh and uh, the funny thing is, he is a water treatment expert. <laughs> Literally, that is his job for a living. And he ended up giving all us chlorine rashes. That's, How good is that? That's great, Jay. Thanks for that story, Jay. Yeah, that's that's wonderful. Hilarious. Anyway, Come okay. on. Uh, yeah, hey. we'll kill the music and kill the mood. <laughs> All right. Hey, well, we are going to talk about Psalm 77 today. And um, the first question, Perry, I think that was on my heart listening to you is, what devotionally stood out to you in your study of the Psalm 77 that connected sort of what you were living in as preparing to preach this message for Thanksgiving? Yeah, it's a great question. The, the whole the whole process for me was rich. It was just, it was great to be able to dig into this topic called Thanksgiving that we just throw around so easily. It's a holiday, right? You know, so we, we immediately associate it with that. But the thing that became more and more clear to me as I was preparing was just how much Thanksgiving is uh, an essential aspect of our faith. And I would even say that it is, um, it's something that stands against the forces of evil in the world. Ooh. When Christians are thankful, when Christians can, can uh, give thanks to God, even in the midst of dark times, even in the midst of difficulty, um, that is both an offensive weapon against the powers of evil, because um, it's a proclamation against um, 
the darkness of this world. And it also is a, um, it's a defensive thing that protects our faith too. It shields us from evil, from darkness. Yeah. I see it as you driving up to Walgreens, you know, it's a, it's flu season and Thanksgiving and giving praise is like you getting your vitamin C. So you're pre, you know, taking these supplements to help boost your immunity. And then you have, let's say a cold and you go and get a prescription Mm -hmm. to help battle that cold. That's what I would say being grateful, giving thanks is for the Christian life. Yeah. And then when you get the cold, yeah, uh, you, cause you know, it's going to happen. Um, Thanksgiving also is what keeps you, keeps you going and through it and in the midst of it, because you, you know, that your, your attention is, is given to not your circumstance that you're in, but on the one who is with you in those circumstances. That's really where Thanksgiving goes. So, well, that's a great podcast. It's great to be with you on the weekly. <laughs> Hope you got your daily dose of encouraging word. Cause that's it, my friend. Yeah. I'm, I'm really just super, um, thankful to hear that from you mm-hmm. um, as we talk about Psalm 77 in your own devotional world. It seems like a really appropriate Psalm for the season we find ourselves in sort of give a, for those who haven't listened to your message or um, have slept since then, what is Psalm 77 really doing that should be a really big highlight for all of us to remember? Yeah. So Psalm 77 is, um, kind of fits into a couple of different categories, but it's probably good to just back up even a little bit further and just talk about the Psalms in general. Um, The Psalms, if you're not familiar with that book, it is um, sometimes referred to as the song book or the worship book that Israel had in the Old Testament times. And that um, since then, Christians have referred back to as inspiration and kind of as a reference point for how we worship in our own day. And so Psalm 77 is a part of that collection. There are 150 Psalms. They're broken into kind of five different books. Um, Psalm 77 fits into book three of that collection of 150 Psalms. And um, of those Psalms, there are just a a bunch of different types. And um, I shouldn't say a bunch. That's probably overstating it. But there are several different major types. And I think we often think of the Psalms as being praise and just exaltation towards God. But Actually, the the most common form of psalm is what we call psalms of lament, which are psalms uh, where you are you are presenting your um, request to God to intervene in your life in some way to change your circumstances that you find yourself in because life is difficult. And there are actually more psalms focused on that kind of a situation than there are of just straight up praising God. So Psalm 77 has elements of that in it, for sure, of that lament of asking God to change the circumstances that that you're in. So this is written by a guy named Asaph. Um, Asaph is referred to at a couple different places in the Bible, um, in First and Second Corinthians. And then there are just a, f- a few psalms here that are attributed to him. And it starts off with him just saying, I cry aloud to God. I, I cry aloud to God and he will hear me. That confidence that God is going to hear Asaph's cry. But the whole kind of context or surrounding of the psalm is that Asaph is facing a great difficulty. Man, that speaks volumes today. So, Thomas, as you meet with people, one of the things I perceived in being a pastor is that most of the time we meet with people who are just disappointed that life has not gone well. How do the Psalms of Lament teach us 
how to deal with life not going well. Well, I think that's especially true of the Psalms um, in general that they have both lament and this idea of ascent, this, this praise. We found here in Psalm 77 is actually in the third book, as Perry was pointing out, there's five books. The third book is kind of framed in the exile period, so like life is not good already. Um, you already have rubble and ashes, and you're looking for God in the midst of suffering. And I think that's just true for all of our lives. Like it's rarely is it just a full season of lament, nor are you ever just in a full season of praising God. And the Psalms are the honest reflection of someone's real life lived, where there's always this blend of hardship and praise. And so Psalm 77 is a great example of here's the hardship where it looks like in the middle of suffering, God has abandoned Asaph, but yet it ends in praise. And that's kind of this, 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 this tension of the Christian life, right, of dealing with grief and sorrow, dealing with days of trouble, and yet knowing that there is this joy and hope that you still have that colors in our laments. I've been in the book of uh, Ecclesiastes and Job recently. Ecclesiastes is somewhat discouraging sometimes. Uh, but Job, I was in just looking at Job's friends and just feeling like, you know, some of the folks in there that have my ear right now feel like Job's friends just have, seem like they have the right answer all the time, and they're just sharing it with me. Um, but one of the things that changed in my perspective of being around the book of Job recently, and this ties into Psalm 77, is Job isn't so much interested in asking, why is there suffering? Um, I think Job just expects it. Like, that's the world we live in. It's anticipated. The question Job is asking, I think Asaph is asking here, is where did God go in my suffering? Or where is God present in my suffering? And so that's this blend that I meet with people all the time, is I'm, I'm in the midst of suffering. I, I even expect it to happen. Um, but where, where's God? Why do I not feel him right now? Why does he seem invisible to me? Yeah, and I can give you just one sort of encouraging step in suffering is both Job and the Psalmist 77 go to creation in order to know who God is. And as you have troubling news and as the world is troubling at times and there is suffering, one of the most refreshing things you can do is to go back into creation. And we have it easy in Colorado. Now where Perry's grew up from in Nebraska, it's a little harder to do. Ooh. But ah. going into creation reminds us that um, there's something bigger than us and that he has continually, faithfully done his great work no matter what the circumstances were. I, I think I agree with what you just said, Jay, but I kind of lost track after you threw shade on my <laughs> homeland. Seriously. Uh, <laughs> Anytime there's a dig at Nebraska, the better off we are life. So, but yeah, the psalmist goes in 77 ends where um sort of in creation right yeah a couple of events yeah right creation being one of them and the other being the exodus yeah those are two two monumental things that asaph goes to and the whole common thing that binds them together is this idea of remembering that's that's really the key for asaph while he's in this this place what he calls the day of trouble uh, that he is able to then recall uh, what God has done on such a grander scale, bigger than his life, bigger than his problems, bigger than his trouble. He's able to recall God's mighty acts in the past. And as he does that, then those past things are brought into the present moment in his mind. And he's able to see his present day of trouble through a new lens 
And that's what helps him remember who God is, remember that God is with him in this moment, in this day of trouble, and completely change his perspective on what his day of trouble is even all about. Yeah, that's great. And to tie a bow on what you're talking about in Job, how does Job in Thomas, and what are sort of the same similarities between Psalm 77 and Job? Yeah, so Job is kind of ending in the same camp where Job has to get a new perspective. And whether that's creation or the mighty works of God, someone needs to come in to Asaph's life, Job's life, my own life, and help me change my perspective of seeing things as they really are. And I think, you know, when I think about people with their troubles and myself with my own troubles, people are so helpful in helping me walk through my own hardships. Mm-hmm. Or I maybe put it the other way is I can always help people see, see their troubles better than they can because you're outside of it. And right. so you're able to see even the, good, the Lord's goodness and kindness and activity in someone's life, or they can see it in my life when I've lost what I would say is perspective um, because there's something about pain and suffering, at least for me, it's like blinders. And it just gets me so focused on the, the source of my pain that it's hard to see beyond that. Yeah, and that's exactly where Asaph is. Earlier on in the psalm, he's looking back over his shoulder to the, to the good old days that he had in his probably not too long ago memory. And he's able to look back to that and say, you know, man, I kind of wish I was back there. And, and then, you know, he starts to question God and God's character. But that point about having reminders from each other is so critical. We have to remember that even though as we read Psalm 77, you see that it's Asaph who's writing this and it sounds like he's just talking himself out of this and talking himself into a more healthy place. We have to remember this is in the book of Psalms. Like this is in Israel's collection that they point to as a community to worship together with. So the, the whole idea of a community leaning on each other, reminding each other of these things that are true is just embedded into the background of this psalm and every psalm. So we shouldn't think that this is just something in isolation that we um, it becomes a practice that we just do by ourselves. But this is something where we need each other. We have, to, we have to remind each other of what's true about God and what's true about our own circumstances. That's great. Let's take a commercial break here. When we come back from the commercial break, we're going to talk about sort of how to remind each other the things of God and um, some of the practices Christians can have, especially meditation on God's word to sustain ourselves and remember the days uh, that God has been faithful before us and will be after us. Let's go to commercial break. Hey, Calvary. Just to let you know, there's a couple things, really important things happening in the month of December. Um, I want you to keep you reminded, go to calvarybible.com slash events to make sure you're up to date with everything that's happening. Check out also the Wednesday update that delivers to your inbox every week that you just know what's going on here in the life of the Calvary. A uh, few things. First, prayer nights. Three Thursdays in the month of December, 6 p.m. on all three campuses. We would love for you to attend either in person or online. Um, There's going to be a link on Thursday at calvarybible.com so you can log in there and attend the prayer nights. As we gather back as a church to uh, a large gathering, we're going to start by praying together. No better way than to start a new season together than prayer. So don't miss out on those. The first three Thursdays in the month of December. Also, Women's Brunch is happening this weekend. You can go to calvarybible.com slash events. Click on that for Women's Brunch information. And then Thomas, 
I don't want to spill the beans, as the expression says, but Heart of Advent is coming up. What can we expect this week to hear about Heart of Advent? Yeah, don't spill the beans, man. Look for the next weekly update this Sunday. We got some great projects in the area. Um, Every year we try to spend less so we can give more and worship fully. And this year we're targeting some of our most vulnerable uh, populations that have been affected by COVID and how we can come alongside them and their families. Man, I can't wait to hear that on Sunday. All right, let's get back to the show, pick up on this word meditation, and then talk about actually how to prepare our own hearts in this season, in the season of Advent. So Perry, we looked at um, Psalm 77 over the last weekend. You did a wonderful job, like I've been saying. Um, In verse 12, it says, I will ponder all your works and meditate on your mighty deeds. As Christians, we get stumbled, tripped up, stumble on this word meditation. Um, Between Thomas and Perry, what is this really about in the Christian life? Yeah, it's a really good question, really relevant question. Um, We live in an area of the country, newsflash here for you, where meditation, the word meditate is used often, but I think that's true for many parts of the country and the world today anyways, um, as a lot of Eastern ideas have made their way into the West. So um, one of the one of the cues that we should take from this psalm in particular is that there's a lot of what you would just call symbolic poetic language going on because that's what the psalms are. They are poetic. And so the word that really we would compare meditate to in this verse, in verse 12, is the word ponder in verse 12 also. It says, I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Those two lines are kind of meant to be held together. So um, when the psalmist, when Asaph writes about pondering, we should think that that is, should help us understand what he also means by the word meditate. And, you know, if you think about those that idea, what it, what does it mean to ponder something? It means we have something in our minds, right? That we we are thinking specifically about, that we are reflecting on, that we're chewing on. Uh, you know, whatever kind of language you want to use to describe what it looks like to think about something, to concentrate, give our attention to something. That's what meditation means when it comes to the Bible. That it's it's an idea about God. It's a memory of what God has done in the past. It's a um, it's an expression of praise towards God that we want to we want to give our attention to so that we can more fully understand and grasp and just let it seep down from just our mind to use a modern analogy kind of into our hearts that will then result in a greater sense of faith or a greater expression of worship and praise towards God. Yeah, Thomas, we you've talked about this sort of Bible study method. You want to share with us maybe a way in which the process of pondering and meditating on God's word can really live out in like a month to month basis for our faith. Yeah. I I, I would just echo everything that Perry just said. The simplest way that I've kind of remembered um, what it means to meditate as a Christian compared to what it means to meditate maybe as the world and the difference between biblical meditation and what I do at my steam yoga class is the biblical meditation is the filling of one's mind. So you're pondering and oftentimes the world's meditation is the emptying of one's mind. So when I think of meditation, it's the filling of my mind with God's works and his words and the things that he has called me to put my mind towards. And so, uh, Jay, you had said this earlier, like the idea of biblical meditation is, is the chewing of the cud, chewing on something. Yeah, when I was growing up in Texas, I, took, I would help my uncle during like Thanksgiving break, Christmas break, when we're out on the farm for Thanksgiving, 
go feed the cows in the winter months with hay bales, right? And you would take these large hay bales, put them down. And then I was a little kid, a little guy, and I would stand among these giant beasts, and they would chew this hay. And if you watch a cow chew, they put the hay in the back of their teeth. And it's sort of this gnawing motion, slow grinding away being from nebraska jay yeah i, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> I, know, I was about to say like this guy's from texas yeah knocking on the huskers <laughs> unbelievable god bless but, texas with his own hand man and so uh so but anyways that's, that's, that's that that word picture that just resonates yeah. with me of what it means to meditate on right god's so word. it's the slow chewing filling of mm-hmm. of your pondering and, and thinking about god's word so one of the practices that i have is to read something over and over and over again um, until it becomes almost dull and then continue to read it until it becomes alive again. And so there's a practice that someone had shared with me a long time ago of taking a specific passage or perhaps a shorter book of the Bible or breaking a longer book into multiple uh, times and reading that same passage or book every single day for a single month. And while you, when you do that, the first few days you're kind of getting it down and then like a week passes and you get to the week two and you're thinking, why am I doing this? Like nothing, I already know this. Nothing is coming of this. It almost feels dull and dry now. But then you'd kind of turn this corner at like day 17, 20, whatnot. And this amazing thing happens where you start reading and go, wait a minute, has that word been here the whole time? Has that phrase been here the whole time? And you gotta go find like another Bible in your house and a different translation that was printed by, you know, a different company just to make sure that that wasn't just your Bible that, that slipped in there or something. But that's what we're talking about is the slow pondering, chewing on what God has done on his word and his works and allowing it to really saturate and fill your mind and your heart and your body. Yeah, Psalm 1 starts the whole book of Psalms with the ideal person who would meditate, yep. who would read these and read the the law and meditate on day and night. And... Um, it says that he, she is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields us fruit in season and a leaf does not wither. And so one of the benefits of the Christian perspective of meditation is that it will produce something in us no matter what season we find her, season of joy, of suffering. Um, it will produce some great fruit that will help bear us through yeah. these stories that we live out in human experience and in asaph's case you see that here what it what does it bear out well it bears out praise to god thanksgiving to god for what god has done that his ways are holy and there's no other god like him asaph begins to ponder meditate and it results in praise that's cool to think as asaph ponders what god has done he is reassured of what god is doing even though it seems to be a bit unseen right yeah so, okay, one of the big questions was on this word meditate here in Psalm 77 from the weekend. The second word that people were asking questions about was Selah. And what I know from the word Selah is it was a late 90s contemplative Christian band. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but outside that, Perry, like, what's the word Selah mean? You, you, <laughs> you kind of skipped over it. You mean there's another one? There, yeah. there is. Yeah, so Selah, the reason I skipped over it is because there's a lot of uncertainty surrounding exactly what it does mean. Um, If you have an ESV Bible like I do, or maybe you have a different translation, but there's a chance you may have a footnote at the bottom. Um, My footnote says, probably a musical or liturgical term. Selah appears 71 times in the Psalms. It appears three times in the book of Habakkuk, but um, aside from that, it's really not found in the scriptures and other spots. 
It is, um, it's a, a book of the Bible, or it's a book, it's a word though, that probably has to do with Israel's worship in some regard. It was probably a cue to them of either, hey, this is a little pause in our, um, in the, in a musical way that we're going to take now, or maybe it was like, like I like to think of it like the guitar solo. That's every time the Selah showed up. But in all seriousness though, <laughs> we don't know exactly um, what it means, but it, it probably had significance um, to the original audience. I mean, we can even say not probably it did, but it's whatever its significance was, it has been lost so since then. Possibly this is where the edge from U2 is guitar soloing Com- during an awesome concert. Po- it's it's possible. We'll oh. just say that. It's possible. I like that, man. Probability like that. is low. Probability is low. <laughs> hey, the edge is a great guitar soloist. Okay, so that's really good because that was a really good question from the weekly at calvarybible.com asking us um, a question that they had from the text this weekend. And you, my friends, the listeners, can always ask us questions at the weekly at calvarybible.com. That's my little plug, by the way. Good job. So we've been talking about meditation. We've been talking about the edge guitar soloing. So how do we get into this season of the Advent with um, our Christian walk, a very practical level, maybe meditating on something that happens every December. Yeah. It's just like Christmas. It always comes in December. It always does, my friend. So weird. So maybe a question for you, Perry, to set that whole season of Advent up. And what we're going to be doing is talking about what, what I found fascinating was this idea of Asaph saying, you've done all these mighty works, you've split the seas, and yet your footprints weren't seen. And then you made a connection with how great it is to be a Christian today, being able to look back at God has mighty works through the works of Jesus Christ, where he let his foot left his footprints all over Jerusalem and Galilee. Yeah. Incredible to me is just the fact that Asaph is writing this, you know, in a day long before Christ shows up on the scene and had no idea at the time how his words would have an irony to them for us, you know, in our day where we can look back and say, yeah, from, from Asaph's vantage point, God had done these incredible things in history. You can see evidence of God's mighty deeds, both in terms of the creation, like we talked about, you can see it in the sense that Asaph is a part of a people that God had delivered long before this and had done so miraculously, but yet you didn't actually have a, a, like a tangible footprint from God. But of course, now from our vantage point, reading this in 2020, we get to look back even in our own day of trouble and see that that same God has left footprints in our world, which is just like, it's like the mic drop moment. It's so incredible to think about how this same God left footprints in places that we can go visit today. Not that we see his footprints literally, but we see evidence of his presence here among us. And that's what we get to celebrate now as we think about Advent, that this God who um, was seemingly far off came in, stepped into the darkness, and has shown a great light. What an an incredible thing. Yeah, I I ran across a quote this last week. I want to share with you guys through the book called Desiring the Kingdom by James K. Smith. And he says, Advent shakes us out of the present complacency that we can be lulled into. So just Advent there. And this says, he goes on to say, um, we are called and formed to be a people of expectancy, looking 
for the coming, in parentheses, again of the Messiah. We are future people who will not seek to escape the present, but will sit and somewhat uneasy in the present, haunted by the brokenness of the now in order to ponder the future of Christ coming once again. And I think this is a great message for us in this Advent season of that. You in 2020 is a great year for Advent to become a very big practice in your family story. How do you do Advent at your house, Thomas, that maybe can encourage all of us to participate in Advent around our family's tables? All right, for so for anyone listening that doesn't know what the word Advent means. That's a great, uh, yeah, that's great to add that. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a season of arrival. So we're, we're anticipating his first coming, his arrival on the scene uh, in Bethlehem. And so Advent is the anticipation towards Christmas where we're remembering, intentionally carving out time to remember this anticipation of his arrival. So my family does several things. Um, we have a, actually an Advent calendar, a couple of them that we use. One is made by Lego, yeah. and it's less spiritual. <laughs> but my kids love opening up the little Lego calendar and putting the Lego together. And then there is an Advent calendar that my wife has made, which includes an activity, a person we're praying for. And now this year, because of what you shared with us, uh, there's a passage to be able to read. So every single day, we're, we're pulling down someone's name, a passage to read, and then an activity to do as a family. And that causes us to have a season, slow down, be together, and remember, meditate on the things that God has done in anticipation for his arrival. That's really cool. What do you guys do? Yeah, what do you do, Perry, for Advent? Um, We have a little devotional that um, is usually sent to us from Denver Seminary, and we um, try to go through that as a family around dinner time together um, just before we, well, Sometimes before, sometimes during the meal, sometimes after. It's not that clear cut, but uh, we we do try to go through it together, um, just as a as a way to have great conversations around what the significance of this time of year is. And it's it's been really cool in past years, and we're gonna we're about to dig into it now um, as we start into December. Cool, very cool. My family we bought a couple of years ago Advent wreath. So if you don't know what that is, it's just a simple decoration that has four candles on it and you light a candle every Sunday of the Christmas week. And then on Christmas Eve, you light this fifth candle, which is Mm -hmm. called the Christ candle. And it's sort of symbolic of pondering the great arrival of Jesus um, on that day. And so actually I owe this to my mom who I grew up in a Catholic faith and they practice Advent. We used to do Advent as a kid. And so it's one of those things I've kept as a spiritual practice for my own family over these years. And yeah, we read scripture every night, usually around um, these Christmas narratives every year. It's a little different because I don't typically use the same devotional every year. And um, like I said earlier, before the podcast even started, we're reading the scriptures this year in a way that I'm like, my kids are old enough to hear them but I'm having to translate them a little bit and explain what they actually mean and why they fit into Christmas season. So that's a new season for my family. It's exciting. If you're looking for some resources to do with your family, Jay, will you drop some things in the show notes? Yeah, definitely. I will definitely drop some show notes uh, of an Advent calendar you can follow along. The one that I handed out to my friends this last week, the Milburns are picking it up. Wait, wait, wait. You consider us friends? Oh, yeah, man. Oh, You're good that, friends. That's wow. my heart. And in fact, I sent it to your wife because I knew she would 
print it out and have it for the dinner table yeah, over is. you. She's so, good. She's so good. Baby, if so. you're listening to this, I love you. <laughs> hey, but yeah, we would love to give you some show notes. I actually ran across a great Advent blog of how to practice it from a little devotional that uh, C.S. Lewis wrote years ago about Advent and how to practice it. I would love to share with you. Um, we just want to encourage you to meditate, fill yourselves up with the great gospel message that Jesus has arrived and he's going to arrive again because there's two advents in the Chris in the Christian story one that happened over 2,000 years ago in a little town in Bethlehem and the next one we can't wait for him to come back all right that was a great podcast guys thanks so much um, let me leave you this encouraging word today this comes out of John 1 you want to start Advent really well? Read John 1, 1 through 2. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. I can't help but think about how great it is that we don't we don't go through this season without um, no hope. In the Christmas message, the gospel message, that this season, even though it looks different in 2020, we have so much hope, joy, great peace, knowing that the Prince of Peace came save us, to redeem us, to call us back to his own. So my friends, enjoy this Christmas season. Look in the show notes for the Advent Guide. We hope you join us in this. We're just praying that this season would be a special Christmas season for you, above all, that 2020 would be the best Christmas ever. Not because you got the best presents ever, not because you had the best family gatherings ever, ever, but just because you looked at Christ like you've never had before based upon this season. All right, we love you. Miss being with you. Hope to see you soon. Let us know at the weekly. If you have questions, the weekly at calvarybible.com. We would love to get questions from you. Looking forward to seeing you at prayer gatherings. I won't see you at the women's brunch, but I hope you're there. And look for the new great news of Heart of Advent coming up this week. Talk to you soon.